If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is we'll be looking at the birth of Christ. I'll also be referencing a couple other scriptures as we spend time reflecting on Jesus this afternoon. Isn't this awesome? You guys packed it out. It's great. Welcome up in the upper room. How are you guys up there? A few of you guys are there. All right. Awesome. Let's pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you that we can gather together as a church family. We come in celebration of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we want you to be honored and glorified. We ask that you would do a work through the power of your Holy Spirit to minister to us of your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go back a few decades of the all-time best Christmas gifts, the, the must-have Christmas gift of 1983. Any, anybody got it? Cabbage Patch Doll was the top in 1983. The must-have in 1985 was the Pound Puppy. That was the top seller. 1989, American households were rushing to the stores to get their first Game Boys. Those were pretty awesome. If you, some of you weren't even born, but it was awesome. 1995 was the Beanie Baby craze. So maybe still some of those around. 2002, the iPod. That's when people were rushing out to get their first iPods. 2006, Nintendo Wii. 2010 was a game changer. The Kindle came out. Just, just to think, six years ago, the Kindle came out. 2011 was much simpler. People were rushing to the stores to get their Angry Birds board game. That was the big seller in 2011. 2013 was the Doc McStuffins doll. I hadn't even heard of that. A lot of your faces hadn't heard of that as well. I had to Google that one. 2014 was Frozen Sing-Along Elsa doll. I bet some parents regretted that after purchasing it. We're going to be looking at the gift of Jesus Christ, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15. It says, thanks be to him for his indescribable gift. And notice gift is singular in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15. So Paul was thinking of a specific gift that God had given and it was the gift of his only son. The Father is the author of all good gifts. James chapter 1 tells us that. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. So every good thing in our lives is because of the Father. But Paul is specifically in awe and in wonder of the fact that God would, would give his Son. Just recently, uh, on a Wednesday night, I was teaching through 2 Corinthians 9, and it really touched my heart, again, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know one of those times where you're just taken deeper into God's love and deeper appreciation for, for what God has, has done? And this is what stood out to me, is when the Father spoke of the Son, there's two times that the Father audibly speaks from heaven. So right away we have some priority of the fact that we have the audible voice of the Father. One is the baptism of Christ. When Jesus was baptized, he was submitting himself to the Father's plan. He was not saying that he was a sinner. He was saying, I'm willing to do what the Father has asked me to do. John the Baptist has the privilege and we hear the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John with him 
These were the three that always got called by Christ, probably because they were the biggest troublemakers. It's like, okay, you guys need to come with me. I'm not leaving you out of my sight. And Jesus is transformed, meaning that his glory was shown. Moses and Elijah come and visit with Christ. It's this monumental moment. In Luke, it tells us what they were talking about. If you ever wondered what were they talking about on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says they were speaking of his decease, speaking of his death. So Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking about his crucifixion. Peter is overcome with emotion and he says, let's build three tabernacles, three tents for these three men. A big mistake because he was putting Moses and Elijah on the same place as Jesus Christ. So once again, we have the voice of the father and he says this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. Why would the father do this two times. It's a paraphrase, but in essence, what's in the heart of the father is this, is he's saying, this is my boy. This right here, he is my boy, and I am proud of him. I love him. And we can hardly even begin to imagine the relationship between the father and the son. And that's where we begin our story tonight, is the value of the gift, the value. When we look at the manger, when we take a stop and we look at Christ being born in Bethlehem, what's the value of this gift? It's God giving his beloved son. I think as a parent, we resonate with this to some degree. I've got four kids, three daughters and a boy, and I love just picking up my kids. And, and you know, when you feel that surge of love, just going to your kids and you're like, oh, you're my boy, you're my girl, you're my, you're my princess. I, I love you. I, I'm so, so very proud of you. Those are deep moments with a parent and with a child. And that's what the father is expressing. Words cannot even begin to describe the gift of Jesus Christ. Paul was a man that was very articulate, was not at a place where he would be lacking words very often, but he says, it's indescribable. I can't even begin to put words on this tremendous gift that God would give his beloved son for me, that he would take my place upon the cross. Also, the gift shows value to the person that's receiving it. This time of year, we know that value is determined by what people are willing to pay, right? If they, they are willing to pay more, it's because it's more valuable. As a family, we like Hondas. We drive Hondas and have for years. And what I found a lot of times is a good Honda that has good maintenance records is more valuable than the blue book value because of the, the demand for that car. And so value is determined by what people are willing to pay. So God not only puts value on his son, but he puts value on you. What do I mean? Because he gave his son for you. That's the highest price. You know, God could have chosen something else, but he chose his son. So maybe you're wondering if, if God loves you, if, if God cares about you, if he's concerned with what's going on in your life, and we look and we go, absolutely, because he gave his beloved son. This summer, it was July, the end of July, I got a phone call from my mom. My mom and dad live in Highlands Ranch, South Denver, and she said, we're at the emergency room with your dad, and he had some health things that were going on, so I got in my car and drove up there to sit with him at the emergency room. He ended up being in the hospital for a couple, couple days. He's doing good now, but it touched a chord with me. I think we all resonate with that, with, with, with our parents, and I just began to think of all of the memories that I have with my dad. 
There was a, a sweet moment, I believe, that the Lord gave to me, but I was remembering back to being a little kid and being in the garage and just my dad teaching me how to dribble a basketball, teaching me how to shoot a basketball, going fishing together, riding bikes together, wrestling, you know, in the family room, in the, in, in the living room, being in high school and a lot of basketball games for me in high school. You know, I, I'm sure there were times where my parents were like, Oh my, another basketball game, right? But I can't remember a basketball game where my parents weren't there. And even as a high school kid, even you're pretending like you're not looking for your parents because you're too cool for that, right? You're looking up in the stands to see if your parents are there and to see that love that they have to know that they're proud of you no matter what. And that's the heart that we have, of the father towards his son and then the gift of his son toward, towards us. So there's tremendous value in this gift. Now we look at the impact of the gift. What's the impact of the gift of Christ? And that's where we get into Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This census first took place when, while Quirinius was governing Syria. This would bring Mary and Joseph from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Prophecy from Micah 5, 2 that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. God's hand was in the census. God's hand was in the Roman government. God's hand is in the details of our lives to accomplish his plan. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, but also it's communicating the relatability of God's Son. If Jesus were born in New York City, born in Los Angeles, or, or London, or Colorado Springs for that matter, Penrose Hospital, Memorial Hospital, it's a luxury that a lot of the world can't even relate with. But Bethlehem, man, it was a simple place a simple town, five miles outside of Jerusalem. I was reading an article last night about modern-day Bethlehem right now, a lot of fighting in in the West Bank. Not a place that you would want to be this evening there in Bethlehem. A lot of times people take tours uh, to Israel and they go to Bethlehem and it's a huge disappointment. Why? Because it's not a nice place. Why did God send his son to Bethlehem? Because He was communicating that he came for the whole world. In verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who is with child, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. I get a kick out of how God describes pregnancy and delivery in his word. Who gets delivered? Mary gets delivered. Can I get an amen from all the moms? Watching my wife go through this four times at the end of each pregnancy, she was the one that was delivered. Jesus wasn't the one delivered. Mary is the one that's delivered according to to scripture. Completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What a moment for Mary and Joseph. It's just the two of them. There's no room in the end. Christ is born with the animals placed in a feeding trough. All she has is the swaddling clothes and places the Messiah, God's son, in the manger. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Normal night for the shepherds, a silent night, a quiet evening, but then all of a sudden, there's the angel of the Lord. The glory of God is shown around them. This is the message of the angel. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So what's the impact of the gift of Christ? It's good tidings of great joy for everyone, for all people. Maybe you've forgotten that Christ is good news, that Christ is great joy. Sometimes as Christians, I think that we can be some of the most grumpy people to be around. Of all people, we should have joy, shouldn't we? Because we know our Father, we know the gift of his Son. And part of the impact of this gift is we have joy, not just a small amount of joy, but great joy. It's good tidings. Sometimes we have to be reminded that Jesus is good news. Him coming to die for our sins and rise again is good news. It's good news and great joy that's greater than this earth, greater than our circumstances. This is something that our city needs to hear this evening. Man, it's been a tough month. It's been a heartbreak in our, in our community. It's been a heartbreak in our world, in our nation. And people are looking for good tidings of, of great joy. And a lot of times we settle for something that's not going to last. This is a great joy that goes beyond the economy. When the economy's bad, the good news of Jesus Christ is still good. When there's relational difficulty, I know that Christmas is a time that's extremely heartbreaking for some because you're aware of the fracture that's maybe there with your husband. Normally your husband would be with you at the Christmas Eve service, but he's not this year because there's been a separation in in your relationship. Maybe there's a a division that's taken place with you and and one of your kids, a falling out with, with your parents. Maybe a loved one has passed away and you've got your Christmas Eve traditions and you know that that loved one's not, not going to be there. And you go, how, how could there be great tidings? How could there be good news? And it's based on eternity. And so even when there's a fracture in relationship, a death of a loved one, we still have this deep-rooted joy in who Jesus Christ is. We hold on to that, and that's the impact of Christ. That's the message of Christ. And verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ means Messiah, anointed one. The Jews looked forward to the coming Messiah. And now the angels declaring to these shepherds, the Christ is born, the Savior is born. The second impact to the gift is this, is that we have a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Because we're drowning in our sins. Christ came with a mission. He came with a purpose. He came with the cross in view. He was slain before the foundations of the world so that we tonight could know that our sins are forgiven, that we have everlasting life. What an amazing truth because of the gift of Jesus Christ that all of our sins are forgiven. The world's looking for a way to remove the guilt, the shame that they feel, but they can't do it. No amount of money, no amount of hard work, no amount of volunteering can cleanse us from our guilt. And if you are in Christ, if you know Christ is your Savior, you remember that moment that you trusted Christ for for salvation and you knew that your sins were forgiven? And that's the impact of the gift is we have a Savior. This child came to be our Savior. In verse 12, and this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, 
lying in a manger. How do they know which babe is the Messiah? Well, look for the one in the feeding trough. Babes, infants aren't normally placed in feeding trough. Look for the one in, in swaddling clothes, and that'll be a sign to you. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. One angel, the glory of God. Now all of a sudden, they look up into the heavens and there's a host of angels that are declaring, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peter writes in his first epistle that the angels look on our salvation with interest. It intrigues them. Why? Because they see Christ as God, the creator. They see Christ coming as a human, as a baby born in the manger, God in in human flesh. But they also see me and see you, see us as sinners. And they're going, why would God give his son in such humility and humiliation for them? Glory to God. Only God could be this good. Only God could be this kind. The gift of Jesus Christ is to the glory of God. The third impact that we see of the gift of Christ is peace. That's what's promised here is peace on earth. And you might be saying, well, where is the peace? It's been 2,000 years and the world's in turmoil. It's in more chaos than it's ever been before. Where is this peace on earth? The peace that Jesus provides is in our hearts. Christ put it this way as he said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we're able to walk through life with our feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Each step that we take knowing I'm God's child, I'm heaven bound, eternity stepped upon, stamped upon our hearts and in our minds. We have peace with God because we know we're his children. We're saved by grace if we're in Christ. But then also we have the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding that guards our hearts and mind. I'm sure that for some tonight, you're in turmoil. Your mind is spinning. You were up last night not being able to to sleep. You're worrying. You're fearful. It's pressing in upon you. God would love for you to experience his peace tonight. Can I encourage you, if you can trust Christ with your salvation, you can trust him with the situation. Billy, as he was leading us in worship, encouraged us the things that we brought in, the difficulties, the challenges, those that are weighing to give it to the Lord, to allow God to meet us with his peace. Isaiah 9, 6 is a prophecy about Christ. It says, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. God's giving us his son. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, where he can bring peace in our situations. The second coming of Christ will bring in the literal reign of Christ. He will rule and reign in Jerusalem, and there will be a literal peace on earth. But until then, it's a peace in our hearts. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They're obedient. They follow through with their instructions. And they came with haste. They're excited and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. What an encouragement this would have been to Mary and Joseph. 
If you've had a child, you know what a joy it is to present that child to their grandparents, your parents, to your brothers and sisters, to close friends. You want to share this life, this precious life with the ones that you love. Mary and Joseph don't have that. They're alone in Bethlehem. And here comes the shepherds to share in the joy. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. How do we know the shepherds were impacted by the gift? They couldn't stop talking about it. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the Messiah. This baby is the Messiah. The angels came and appeared to us. We're going to head into some holiday festivities. You've probably got some Christmas Eve tradition. Maybe it's watching Polar Express sometime this evening. Maybe Home Alone, some Christmas movie that you like. Gather together with family and friends tomorrow. And as you do, share the gift of Christ. Share what Christ has done in your heart and in your life, just like the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart as only moms can do. You can see it on a mom's face when her soul is taking in the memory of that moment with her child. Mary knew that Jesus was the Christ and she was pondering all these things that the shepherds were sharing with her. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And as we go our way to glorify God for the gift. Sometimes it's really difficult to plug into this joy at at this season. Traffic's terrible. Stress is built up. Go to the grocery store. You might lose your life. Maybe you've had your blinker on to get into that spot and you you clearly had your blinker on first only to have somebody, you know, go in and take it and then they smile and wave at you. Merry Christmas, right? Like you're like, there's going to be great rejoicing come January 5th when all this is all over, right? But to have it impact our hearts and our lives and to go away rejoicing in Christ. There's one last thing I want to leave you with. We've seen the value, we've seen the impact, but then also with the gift of Christ, there's the decision. Every gift does come with a decision. You're going to accept it or reject it. If you've gone through this, you know the deep pain. You send somebody a gift. Maybe there's a little bit of a rift in the relationship, but you reach out and you send a gift. And what happens? It gets returned to sender. It comes back. What's this package on my doorstep? I already got everything off my Amazon Prime order. What is this? Oh, they, they returned the gift. And it's a clear message that they're closing the door on the relationship. And God has given us the gift of his son, And with the expression of his son, he's saying, I want to be in relationship with you. There's a person behind the gift. There's a father behind the gift. And every one of us have made a decision about Christ. Some have accepted Christ and are in love with Christ. Others of you maybe have made a non-decision about Christ. You're not really opposed to Christ, but you wouldn't really say that you're for Christ or a follower of Christ. It's just... I'm going to put this off into some later point in my life. But a non-decision eventually can easily become a no decision. If someone invites you over for lunch and they say, hey, let's get together for lunch, you just give me a date and time 
and you never respond, eventually that non-decision becomes a no decision. There's some of you that have maybe said, you know, I, I just checking Jesus off my list. I don't really believe that he exists or I do believe he exists, but, but he's not for me. And you've rejected this gift. You've said, said no. And I would pray tonight that you would reconsider that decision because you can say no to Christ throughout your life and then have a moment like this where you turn to Christ and you trust him. These are the words of Jesus. He says, for God so loved the world. He knows this about his father. He says, the father so loved the world. And that means you. Gifts are given to individuals. You can put your name in there. For God so loved you. He proved it by giving his only begotten son, this valued treasure, this is my boy in whom I'm well pleased. He, he gave his son upon the cross for you. And now here's the decision, here's the invitation that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a broad invitation. Whoever extended to all of us my wife makes some really good scones. They're my favorite. She makes this cream that could probably put you into cardiac arrest, but it, it's delicious. And when we were first married, we got home from work and the kitchen was smelling so good and there were these scones on the, on the counter and I helped myself. And she comes in and she goes, hey, wait a second there. These are for ladies' Bible study coming up. Those weren't for you. And I quickly learned to ask this question. You know, who are these for? And if Amber says, oh, whoever, guess what? I'm a whosoever. <laughs> Get to enjoy. And what God is saying to you tonight is he's saying whosoever, anybody who will believe, anybody who will trust, anybody who will come in brokenness and faith, then he will give them eternal life. He will grant them eternal life. You can know that you have a reservation in heaven. I want you to hear me on this. What you decide to do with this gift of Jesus Christ to accept or reject determines your eternity determines whether you go to heaven or determines whether you go to hell. That's what Christ taught. Those are, those are his words. But I also want you to hear this. It's more than eternity. It's a relationship. You have a savior. You have a father that wants to be in relationship with you. You may not have realized this, but your whole life you've been looking for, longing for, yearning and desiring to be in this relationship with your father. And how do you enter into that? By believing and trusting that Jesus is God, that he died for you, that he rose again. We express belief throughout every day. You probably got in a vehicle to get here and you expressed faith in that vehicle. And for some, it was a greater venture of faith than for others, but it was a venture in faith. These blue chairs, who knows? How old are these blue chairs? What's the structure? Could it really hold you? We didn't think twice. We sat down. And will you trust Christ? And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And you're not responding to me. You're not responding to anybody sitting next to you. You're doing John 3.16. You're going to raise your hand to Christ and from your heart believe that he's God, that he died for your sins and rose again. And have you discovered that you make a mess of your own life. I've discovered that. I make a mess of me. I'm really good at making a mess of me. And part of trusting Christ is to say, Jesus, I want you to have control of my life. It's not going to church that's gonna save you. 
This may be strange to hear from a pastor, but I'm not looking to build church attendance. I'm desiring that Christ would come into your life and you would know his love. It's Christ that saves you, not going to church. These walls can't save you. These people can't save you. Only Christ can can save you. And it's entering into that personal relationship with him. And if you're ready to make that decision, as we pray, raise your hand and raise it high. But I'd ask you to not raise your hand if you don't mean it. If you don't mean it, why? Because otherwise, nothing's taken place. The Bible says that one believes with the heart and confesses with the mouth unto salvation, believes that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. But this is what I know. I know that God is drawing some of you. Before you even got here today, you started to think about the love of Jesus Christ. You know there was a void and an emptiness in your life. Also, I want to encourage believers. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the beloved of God, do you know that God loves you? And when was the last time you rejoiced in the gift of God's only begotten son? When you just sat back and you go, wow, God, you love me. Maybe you didn't have a good week. Maybe you didn't respond in some ways that you should. Maybe you've had a bad year and you you just feel so condemned. It's so hard to be here. Look at the manger, look at the cross, look at the gift of Christ and go, wow, you love me. And I believe as we focus on the love of God and the gift of Christ, we're gonna be drawn to him. We're gonna wanna walk with him. We're gonna wake up tomorrow morning going, I wanna get in the word. And as believers, be reminded of that love and be impacted by that love. Let's pray together. Let's invite the Lord to work. Father, we wanna wait upon you We're asking that you would do a work that only you could do. I remember in my life when you spoke to me, it was much different than others speaking to me. It was some of the same truth, but it was you revealing that truth. We ask that you would speak to hearts, that you would reveal your love, that you would show the importance of the gift of your son. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never done what John 3, 16 expresses, and today you're saying, I want to believe in Christ, that I would have everlasting life, that I'd be in a relationship with him. I understand that I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from God. I'm turning from my sin and receiving Christ's forgiveness, asking him to be the Lord of my life. Would you right now raise your hand, raise it high, leave it up, and I'm going to say a prayer with you. Praise the Lord. I see your hands there in the back. God's touching your heart. Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. I see hands raised over here. Praise God. Hands in the back. If you're listening on the live stream, praise the Lord. I see your hand here. You're sitting upstairs. God sees you. Raise your hand to the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you died for my sins and rose again. I need your forgiveness. I turn from my sin and receive your grace. Take control of my life. Be the Lord of my life. You can put your hands down. Father, we thank you for those that have responded to believe in you and trust you. We pray you'd overwhelm them with your love. You'd fill them with your spirit, that you'd bless them, that they would know that they're your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. God is good.